Welcome to Reckoning and Repair, the art that's touched Philadelphia. I'm Chrislyn Lori Laror, a musician, amateur photographer, and grad student who spends most of their time reading and writing about collective memory, race, placemaking, and belonging. In this episode, I had the immense pleasure of sitting down with Louis Messiah, a MacArthur Prize-winning documentary filmmaker and the founder and director of West Philadelphia-based Scribe Video Center. A reluctant filmmaker and avid storyteller, Messiah was initially drawn to film for its analytical and narrative potential. Had I defined myself as a teenager, as a filmmaker, that, that, that wasn't what really what was in my mind. I was extraordinarily interested in narrative and storytelling. And I think that really was what my initial interest in film as this narrative form Throughout our conversation, Louis discusses how his projects harness the power of time-based visual media to help Philadelphians craft their own narratives about their lives and their neighborhoods in relation to local and national history. I wanted to get started by asking you, what was the first film that you saw that really moved you? There are some influential screening moments for me that are important. One actually is relatively late. I was working at at WNET, which is the public TV station in New York. Mm. And there was a gathering in a space that was, had been called together by Ellis Hazlip. And he actually he'd, he'd convened a gathering, and there were a number of us, maybe 20 or 30 of us, watching films. I actually don't remember what films we, we were watching at that, that instant. Mm. But what was new and profound and extraordinary was the conversation that was going on in that room as we watched the film and Mm -hmm. afterwards and and really seeing this whole other power of time-based visual media when it really was a part of a discourse. You know, the the, the medium that we watched was, was, was important. But it was the conversation and the interaction and what we built from that screening. And that was a profound experience. In those conversations, the the media was really alive. It wasn't this static thing that you you looked at really somewhat passively and then talked about. But it was was a a live and, and an active thing. I'd also say in, in terms of, again, very late, very, very late, and again, not first, when I was in college, I saw a film by Jean-Luc Godard called uh, Les Carabiniers, mm-hmm. um, and it blew my mind, not because of any one dramatic scene or something violent, but because it, it really broke 
narrative convention, there was something in that non-narrative structure, but also something that says something about the way we work and the way we acquire things. It just was a, a great, it was a, a revelation. Louis' practice as a filmmaker is anchored by his participatory community media projects. He reflects on the early years at Scribe Video Center, cobbling together resources to support local activists in documenting and responding to some of the most pressing social issues of the 1980s. In their own voice. The idea of participatory community media is something that developed out of a response rather than saying, okay, I have this ideology and I'm gonna I'm gonna create something based on the ideology. It was based really on a response. A lot of the work for me began through through Project at Scribe. Mm-hmm. The first community work that happened at Scribe really was in the mid-1980s when Scribe was really a place where people were coming to learn how to create work. And the mid-1980s, we're talking about the, 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 the Reagan era still going on, and we're talking about a huge influx in, in, in homelessness and, and housing issues. Folks affiliated with Scribe, including myself, we, we would get calls from folks organizing around issues of housing and homelessness. Can, can you help us document this? Can you help us document that? Hmm. And you know, Scribe at that point was like an after work, Saturday, Sunday kind of activity. I had a, a job during the day. We weren't a TV station. We weren't, you know, we didn't even have equipment, to be quite honest. I mean, we were, we were borrowing equipment from rental houses, so we didn't really have equipment. But, you know, we, we tried to do the best we, you know, we, we could the idea was if we could train people, folks from various community organizations, skills in camera and lighting and sound recording and editing, then they can do the work themselves. And so the idea was to help groups really gain the, the skills and the language of documentary making. And the issues that they were analyzing were issues that affected them so that as subjects of the film. They also had authorship. Hmm. So that's how it began. And then other projects have sort of developed out of that similar model of what's happening in this particular neighborhood. Well, let people in that neighborhood define what's happening in that neighborhood. Right. Or what what is unheralded in this community. Let people in that neighborhood kind of define that. The whole idea came out of thinking that it, that Media making is, is a language, and it, and, it, and it shouldn't just be about Hollywood and commercial stations and, and mass media, and it shouldn't just be about people who have access to higher ed and film and media programs at, at, at colleges and university. But it really should be a language. It's, it's a form of literacy that you know everybody should write. Mm-hmm. And in and in talking to a broad public, if we're able to hear and, and watch what communities say are their issues. It really affects how we work as a society and and political decisions that we make and, mm-hmm. and who we vote for based on an understanding of what people's lived experience and their own analysis of, of it. So it, it comes out of seeing um, media as a kind of cultural work as a way of helping to strengthen society broadly. Yeah. Shared authorship comes with its own set of challenges including how to channel multiple inputs into a coherent aesthetic vision. You've identified something very important that, you know, filmmaking is about 
making choices. And those choices are what one calls the aesthetics. You know, what is the subject going to be about? What's the camera angle going to be? Is it going to be a close-up or a wide shot? How are we going to interview people? Will it be a two-shot interviewing people together? Will we interview? All of those choices really begin to define the aesthetics of the work. Mm -hmm. Coming to consensus can be really challenging. And, and, And I don't think that participatory media necessitates a consensus decision-making approach. Sometimes it does, but sometimes it's ceding decision-making control in different areas to different people. There are certain aesthetic things that one sees in, in participatory work. I think sometimes it has to do with something as simple maybe as polyvocality. There may not be a single narrator, or the narrator is not positioned as an outsider. Mm-hmm. The narrator is someone, is a voice assumed to be from the community, mm-hmm. and there may not be a single antagonist. Next stop, Fifth Street, Our conversation concludes in Old City, at the remnants of George Washington's Philadelphia residence, which is now part of the Independence Hall complex. Louis was commissioned by the National Park Service to create a permanent video installation for the site in 2011. The videos are part of an outdoor exhibit called President's House, Freedom and Slavery in the Making of a New Nation. I asked Louis what it was like to work on a scripted project with actors and how this differed from the documentary filmmaking process. He also explains how this installation became a reality because of longtime activism by the local African-American community who insisted that the experiences of their enslaved ancestors be included at the historic site. My initial appreciation of film was that narrative sense of of scripted film Mm -hmm. and It wasn't until later that I really began thinking of documentary as having a strong narrative potential as well. I was asked to work on the project, and my initial hope was like, "Hmm, is there some way to do this in a documentary mode Hmm. that's going to work? And there weren't enough artifacts, there weren't enough documents, there weren't enough, you know, the, the, the materials of documentary that I could envision that would work. It, this is an outdoor exhibition that is being seen by many times visitors to Philadelphia. And so you want something that's going to be engaging. Right. You want something that's going to be multi-generational in terms of the audience that you're, you're talking to. So we actually had a chance to work with one of my most beloved and favorite people, actors on the planet, Novella Nelson, 
And she, she died a, a few years ago, who I, I've known since my early 20s when I, when I lived in New York. Just a, just a really superb and, and extraordinary actor. And I, and I have great, great respect for actors and what actors can do. It opens a whole other discussion about what is truth. How do you present something that is factual and true and something that is contentious? Because, you know, some people, mm. even as it was being built and, and as it, the project was going forward, really felt that to talk about enslavement mm-hmm. on the land where George Washington lived is like, you know, confusing European-Americans of, <laughs> of a certain stripe saying uh, it's, it's confusing and that you know we, we should really talk about slavery that in period of enslavement some someplace some else you know, this is a place in front of the liberty bell to talk about the official narrative or whatever or, yeah but you know believing in the power of you know finding the truth in situations you know look looking at the historical record and then coming up with this construction. I mean, documentary, too, is, is a construction. You may be right. working with certain actuality materials, but it, it is also constructed. As is history, to a certain extent, as well. Right. The whole President's House site really is a direct result of activism. There's right. no two ways about it. I mean, right. by you know, folks you know, sort of you know, first demanding that there be really just a marker there right to say that this is where enslaved africans lived and the national park service initially not being open to it and then the city sort of getting behind it and then the state getting behind it and then sort of a change of government with obama coming in and changing the national park service Mm -hmm. it was long time african-american activists in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. picketing, advocating that, 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 that made it happen. Yeah. History, like film, is a construction. The late Haitian anthropologist Michel Ouattrouille said it best in his book, Silencing the Past, Power, and the Production of History. The presences and absences embodied in sources, artifacts and bodies that turn an event into fact, or archives, facts collected, thematized, and processed as documents and monuments, are neither neutral or natural. They are created. Inequalities experienced by the actors lead to uneven historical power in the inscription of traces. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. To learn more about Louis Messiah and the wonderful, wonderful work happening at the Scribe Video Center, visit scribe.org. That's scribe.org. You can find me on most social media platforms at Chrysline. That's K-R-E-I-S-L-E-I-N-E. Reckoning and Repair, the Art That's Touched Philadelphia is a Center for Experimental Ethnography project engaged with the exhibit Rising Sun, Artists in an Uncertain America. The exhibit is a collaboration between the African American Museum in Philadelphia and the Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts and is open from March 23rd to October 8th, 2023. For episode extras and information about the artists and podcast hosts, please check out rnrphilly.com. That's the letter R, the letter N, the letter R, philly.com.